cliffcentral.com. Right, it is time for the Burning Platform, which is brought to you by cliffcentral.com every Thursday morning. And we're thrilled to have uh, the team that was here just before um, all the local and government elections back. And I'm very pleased to welcome again, Liton Toba. How are you, Liton? Nice to see you. I'm good, thank you. And how are you? Good, man. Have you got electricity this morning? Because we all this is the, um, this is the new game we play with each other um, in South Africa. <laughs> is everybody's everybody's opening salvo is Have you got electricity today? Are you are you on load shedding at the moment? Because that's what everybody's talking about. You are asking if the town that owes Eskom five billion rand has electricity. Well, uh, I think you've already answered that part. So yes, <laughs> we'll we'll take your word for it. Um, first of all. How are things in in uh, Valcom? I mean, it's I know we we've taken the piss and we laugh, but it's really not funny what you guys are going through there. And and you always make a point to say that you're going to stick it out, you're going to keep going because you have students in uh, Valcom at the university that you you lecture. You're not giving up on them. But did the local and uh, and municipal elections deliver anything of value to the people of your municipality at all? No, nothing at all. Like, so um, what amazed me was one thing, right? That the African National Congress actually counted on a low voter turnout. So if they went to a voting station and they found low voter turnout, they actually started celebrating. They said, we're winning this one. So they knew that there's a voting district that had 63 votes. 63. So they knew that if they get a low voter turnout, ANC members who are dedicated to the cause, who are probably thinking they're going to benefit from some kind of nepotism, are just going to vote for them, right? And then they lost one ward, like a ward in front of my house. No one went to go vote in that ward. But that ward is adjacent to a highly white area, which is going to vote DA. That part of the ward voted DA, ANC lost. Now, everybody there is speculating whether or not the councillor is white. Nobody knows what the councillor looks like. So it shows you, one, how bad the parties were at campaigning. Mm -hmm. But then secondly, it shows you how disinterested people are about the whole political system. Like, everybody is speculating whether or not our councillor is our councillor white, but nobody actually bothers to go and check. Nobody bothers to ask the DA. Nobody bothers to do anything. But I think the worst outcome of this election for me and for everyone in Falcon, for, uh, like in the realest sense, is that the ANC is bringing a man. So you remember I told you about the guy who brought guns to an ANC meeting? Like, yes. There were two guys with guns. So that guy apparently was vying to be mayor. So I did a little, a, a little digging into the guy. And homeboy um, was last in school in grade three. Hmm. He can't read. He can't write. Oh, my God. He's going to be mayor. But Oi. weren't we weren't we all, didn't we watch Uncle Gwede on the, the news <laughs> the other day? Saying You're going that, to believe Gwede. Saying that the ANC mayors that have to have some kind of degree. So not in, <laughs> not in Falcon? Okay. You're going to believe Gwede. I've learned not to believe these people because they yeah, said I have a, they've said so I have many a things though. to our people. Yeah, I, I have a question though. So the, there was a low voter turnout, and some of the wards uh, went to the DA, and a lot of wards went to the ANC. But what was the value in in Valcom in your municipality in terms of? The numbers is it going to be is it going to be an out and out ANC uh, government or is there a coalition coming your out way? and out out and out ANC like a comprehensive like sixty percent seventy percent win? Oh wow! Um, can, can I just ask? Because, uh, 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 yeah. Sorry, another question before we move on from this, because I know this is really the very specific politics of Valcom, which many of the people who are listening to us couldn't care less about, even though I think it is, a, it's a, <laughs> no, no, it's a microcosm of the rest of South Africa in some ways. And, and I'm, I'm curious about like you, you guys are all busy debating whether or not the council is white or not. That sounds like we're stuck in something. Um, it bothers me. Would it matter if the councillor was white or not? What's that all about? Um, in Valcom, it does. 
in 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 these places, it becomes very very important. Like, um, what, what, the guy what, who's so, running. So, to if, be, so if it's a if it's a, a black person, what does it mean? If it's a white person, what does it mean? I need to understand. So, in Valcom, there's still a big black white divide. Like, there are stores where you're told on Sunday it's white people who go there. On this day, you who do. tells you that? Oh no, it's a it's a sort of a, a known thing. So it's not a blacks only or whites only board outside, but on a Sunday morning till Sunday afternoon, um, and Sunday af- um Saturday afternoon, pick and pay, for instance, is just white in Valcom, just white. Um, pick and so pay. The, yes, there's certain. Oh yeah, remember we have poor whites. We don't have rich whites. Everyone here's poor, right? So, um, there are. And so when you look at the elections, when you look at the DA, Freedom Front Plus, everywhere, no white mayoral candidate came to this side of town. And literally, there is a side of town. Mm. I can point to you the, dire- the direction where the colored side of town is, where mm. Katie McKenzie went yeah. and campaigned only. There is a white side of town where the GA, Freedom Front, campaigns only. There's a black side of town where the ANC... And everyone who breaks away from the ANC tries to campaign. So everyone who's in the EFF, who's in COPE, who's in any other party, was just fired from the ANC. It's amazing. So, so this is this is HF Vervoort's great dream has been totally achieved in Velkom. That's what we can oh, draw yeah. from. So Vervoort's apartheid policies have come come to perfect fruition in a place like Velkom. In the whole of the Free State, mm. like. Um, during COVID, in the start of COVID, I think it was in Hoopstad, one of the small towns, one of the small towns relative to Velcom. Yeah. The the, the police station manager, because mm. now the town and the and the township literally had a gate in between it. And so you can still see the remnants of the gate to this day. And so what the station commander did was during COVID, took a bunch of white guys with guns and herself, went to where the gate was and stood there and said, it's time for the white people to shop you wait. So here the race thing is still a race thing. Jesus. Here you could you could hear the odd K word coming your way if you step in the wrong direction or are in the wrong neighborhood. My God. Wow. It's um, it's so is great it, there. It's just so I mean it's such I, a warm I'm and accommodating place. So I just love it. There's nobody that you know you talk about the the, the colored black white side of town. There's nobody aspire to move into other sides of town so does nobody so all of the people that you you talk the the, the ones who are the beneficiaries they of all, all this by the way all the parts do of they town, not move but, to but, the other but, parts of town for me leto just said like all of it is shit like you don't they're no yeah, I get they're that. no rich people like Velcom is just all shit so it doesn't matter whether you live in the black or colored or white part of town they're all equally shit um, I so hear even that if, and I understand that. My question, though, remains: Is it there are no aspirations? So all the people who are the the beneficiaries of the patronage that we keep talking about, so the people who do get the like the good jobs and the they don't aspire to disrupt the status quo. Okay, so I'm going to depress you just a little bit more this morning. So. Here's what happens: You now are an ANC politician, and I have a little bit more money than everyone else, right? I moved to a white area, Jim Fisher Park, for instance, mm. one of the affluent white areas, okay. right? The little place left with the whatever businessmen we have left live in Jim Fisher Park, right? The problem is when you go to that neighborhood, you still become the black guy in the white neighborhood, so you must still live with that discomfort. If I go and live in Bronville, I'll still be the black guy in Bronville. So you, you, you don't become part of the community just because you live there. But here's the depressing part. So let's take the ANC politician that Leader has just become, right? The problem is the people in the RDP houses are so poor that they are starting to prostitute their daughters. Apparently, it's been something that's going on for the Jeez. past five or six years. So guess what the politicians do? He goes, because apparently they have defunct marriages like the majority of them. They go to these RDP houses um, sleep with either the child and the mother, and then leave them with groceries. So even if they do move to these so-called aspirational areas, the only way to feel rich is to come to the very, very poor people and feel rich among them. 
that's how you feel good about yourself after doing the really indecent things that politicians do anyway. So they do more indecency at night. I don't even know what to say to that. I just when I thought that they couldn't, they were, they'd reached rock bottom and they couldn't carry on. They keep digging. Yeah, I mean, um, so last point about Valcom, and I think we should just move on. Mm. Um, politicians here, when there's an RDP house, like when the RDP houses are, get, are getting built, they will claim 10 to 20 RDP houses and hire them out to people. Yeah. And then, and then yeah. they'll, make, they'll make rent on that. Who are the people who pay them the rent? Are these... Um, it's usually the, the illegal miners right. who are usually foreigners the from Zamazamas. Zimbabwe, yeah. And so um, they come back, they really need inconspicuous housing. Um, and in, in these communities with the, with the RDP houses, if you have a little money and you help out your neighbors, you won't get robbed. So what's been happening with Zamazama is that they've been getting robbed like really hard because they, in Welcome, you go in like into the mine for like six, seven months. So you come back, you're, you have to come out at night because hmm. your eyes are shot, you, your skin is sensitive to light. And so you have to come out at night, wherever you're going to live, they have to blacken the windows. That's where the robbers know where to go. If they see the windows have like black plastic bags on top of them, they know there's a Samazama who can't see in there. So if you go in the afternoon and break a door open, he's basically defenseless. They go, um, torture you with hammers and beat you to a pulp and then take your money and leave. Good Lord. But when, if you're living with poorer people that you help, they would come to your rescue if you're being robbed. Hmm. Uh, it, it, as Jim says, Velcom is basically Middle Earth. It sounds charming. I mean, that, that it really does sound like hell on earth. Uh, Rudy says uh, he's, he's surprised. Uh, sorry, it's, uh, it's Black Oxymoron. Gareth, why do you sound so shocked? The south coast of Durban is similar but not as bad. Even here in Joburg, it's the same. It's more about class than race. Well, that's an interesting point. Are we reaching? Are we reaching a stage now in in some parts of the country where they've transcended the race issue that uh, Lito has just explained to us, and we're moving into a class issue where what Pumi's saying is like aspiration means moving into a better neighbourhood uh, where you have services where the politicians are actually still maintaining some kind of level of service delivery. Is that what we're getting to? Like we're we're, we're still in Tabombeki's two South Africas, but the difference is now it's about how much money you have. As opposed to whether you're yeah. white or black, and if you've if you've been, uh, you know, employed by government, then you might have money. Or if you've been in in private business, you might have money. But those people still work together. The rest are going to be left to their own devices. I think that's that's a good analogy. But Tabombeki's two South Africans can be divided into four South Africans, right? Okay, tell me. First of all, there are two South Africans in the sense that there is the sort of Johannesburg, Durban, Cape Town, and then these smaller towns like the Valcoms and whatever, right? So in the in in the Johannesburgs and the Durbans, the race thing isn't as prevalent because I can have money in Johannesburg. I can be just as rich as Gareth, and so our misery with the electricity crisis can be shared with a big generator or solar right. panels, right. right? Our water crisis can be alleviated by a borehole, and so. Now it's a mm. class thing, right? It's a we on this side of the line who live on they live in Santin are yeah. going to make sure we live better, and then we build a little fence around our Santin, right? The ones in Alexandra, they will live their lives there, and we'll feel sorry for them, and maybe um, toss a coin to them um, when they're parking our, helping us park our cars, and we'll feel better about ourselves, right? But then on the other side, in these smaller towns, the two South Africans had never changed. There was never an incentive to move from the apartheid system of doing things. Yeah. And so the two South Africans that exist there are the racial ones. Is that mostly white, mostly rich, mostly black, mostly poor. And so that then creates the different dynamics that you saw in the elections. Yeah. That's why you saw this large win with the election, um, with the ANC in the rural town, in the rural yeah. villages and small towns. And then these coalitions in, in the Johannesburgs and the Durbans and wherever, because in those places, the reason why you coalesce is that the person who now has money can debate their political fate, can think about it, and yes. try to act on, on some of it, right? And so 
the ANC there gets a challenge because you can no longer say, oh, better life for all, building better municipalities and people will clap hands, right? The people there understand how um, corruption and, and a complete lack of service delivery would collapse a place like Johannesburg and leave it like totally, um, um, like, Flee infested, so, right? So, but in, in, in on, a, on, a, on a final point, in, a, in the smaller towns, the problem is, and I think people miss this, and I miss this as well, as most analysts, right, is that we assume that the poor, these people we call the poor, don't understand the dynamics of the politics of where they live, and we coddle them and we try to make them feel better yeah. about themselves. Correct. Poor people understand exactly what's happening. So when the ANC comes and threatens you and says, Oh, if you vote for the DA, if you vote for them, these others, we're going to take your RDP house. You're going to give us your Sasa card back. That's literally what they said. Give us so it's, di- it's direct threats. I mean, it's, it's what it's come down to. It's like direct threats yes. to, their, to their well-being. But I think also the direct threat, the problem is that that direct threat is understood differently by poor people because poor people in Valcom understand it differently, that they are complicit in the corruption, Right. Let's take the water situation. Mm. 76% of our water is leaked, right? Yeah. But it's not leaked. It's people who want, don't get audited for the water they use, but also have illegal connections to the water cycle. And so they know they're complicit. And so when they say, we are going to take your RDP house, it's not necessarily that we're going to take your house. They're saying, if you vote us out, that water that you're not paying for, you're going to, still, you're going to not need, now need to start paying for it when the GA, when the whites come. And so that's why they keep saying these things. Like, oh, no, the DA will come and you'll see what the whites will do. And so it's not necessarily just about the direct threat. It's the understanding that I'm complicit in it as well. And so if you're in Valcom, the, the unemployment rate here for young people is almost 80%. Oof. And so if, if somebody says to you that 350 rand we're giving you a month is going away, your priorities change very quick. Leto, I... I always love it when you come on the show because you, you get to give us a first-hand real account yeah. of your experience that is outside of of what we see in the media, what we hear on TV, what what most of us also see outside our gates, outside our, our doors when we're driving because a lot of people um, in, in these kind of spaces are in the metropolitan areas. And the, the one thing that I'm, I'm always fascinated by when, when these hear these stories or arrive in, in places outside of the metropoles is what we would ordinarily call not just power structures, but structures of authority. And I, and I saw somebody asking about it in one of the comments is outside of the government or politicians, are there any other kind of authority structures within the society of Valcom? Um, the other authority structures, and I, I won't even call them that because it's now wearing very thin, right? It's the business people. They tried something some years back that the business community tried to come together and help with the, with the issues they can. Um, one of the white business owners was... Um, roughed up in front of his house by gunmen because he was threatened because he's saying, you are now covering up portals, chief. Those things are tenders. That's food for us. And you are covering it up for free. <laughs> so you see, so the authority centers, the, the power in this society has greatly moved to the politicians because capitalism by and large doesn't exist here anymore. There is no flow of money where those who do have money can be influential enough to to alleviate some of the hardships, right? I mean, at the moment, the two largest employers, um, it's an abattoir and a metal works company, are all telling their employees that they might leave town. They're in discussions to leave town for Rustenburg. And so they didn't want to spring it on their workers. They said, get ready. So if you think about it, it's now that unemployment rate is 9 out of 10, actually. And so, so, so these companies, because, it, because power imme- structures don't exist. Immediately, I was thinking while Pumi was posing a question to you, um, obviously, you know, if, if business pulls out of a place like that, which it largely already has, and now these last two major employers are going to also seek greener pastures, because look, look, if I were born in Valcom, I'd also want to get the hell out. 
what's the point? What do your students? Yeah. What do your students do? They, they they're not going to stick around, right? You you probably tell them in lectures as soon as you can, go. Um, that's that's the that's how you should do it, right? So, um, there is no way that you can stay in Valcom, um, with a degree. It doesn't matter. It's a piece of paper. And it's, little, it's toilet paper. And little, what what people will be left then? Are, are, are those going to be the people who, A, cannot go anywhere else, who are basically stuck with no means to go anywhere else unless they just grab the clothes on their back and walk to the next town, um, which is probably just as bad. I mean, there are probably towns around Velcom that are even worse. Um, or, or is it just the politicians who will continue to milk the system? I mean, who, who else is going to still be there? You know, one or two people like you who are trying to hold out and, and hold, hold steady. Um, so I thought about that, actually, like the, who would stay, right? Mm. And who's actually currently staying? The people who are currently staying are people who were in the old notion of a party that Falcom is a mining town and you should come here and get work, right? Older people who came here and got an RDP house maybe 10 years ago or five years ago, right? Yeah. The problem with those old people is their children most probably have died of HIV. Now they're left with orphans. Um, there's an older person here who was left with like six orphans. Um, I'm one, I know there's a student who my, my aunt was helping out. She was in the SGB of a, of a high school here. Mm-hmm. And she was helping them out because this young man was left alone. There was no one, no mother, no father. This child didn't even have a birth certificate when we found him, right? And so... When you look at that and you're like, oh, okay. So they're going to be these extremely old people, these extremely young, uneducated people who are staying here who would not be able to resist the, the politicians in, in all of their gluttony, in the way they want them to prostitute themselves for money, the way they want you to carry around their bags and treat them as some kind of king. And so those are the people who are now the last holdouts. Um, Nobody who's got employment opportunities has stayed here. Everyone who can be employable has left. Well, I just want to refer to Silver Super Scout, who's uh, someone new to the show, and, and we haven't seen a comment from them before. Who is this man that's you, Lito? Uh, he's incredible, heartbreaking to hear, but thank you for shedding a light on the truth. Down with corruption, up with the upliftment. We can only ever be as rich as the poorest in our country. You know, um, we talk about the ANC becoming a rural party and i know that valcom isn't a rural area but it's kind of one of those towns in a rural area um and and the free state's probably one of the most badly run provinces in in south africa we know that even in um mangaung they now you know there's it's one of the places the anc did very well actually um it's one of the places they don't need i think a coalition government they can they can go ahead and do it all on their own and that's exactly what's happened in valcom so do you think that with the ANC becoming a rural party, so to speak, this is going to diminish their overall say in South Africa? Because when you don't control outright the major metropoles, you really are just like an inconsequential, almost semi-tribal, authoritarian, uh, almost totalitarian, uh, backward group of people and and you're always going to attract those people because the better ones will want to be in the places where there's more money and they can't run as a ward council in Velcom if they live in Johannesburg so you'll only end up with shit in places like Velcom and you'll end up with only uh, the better people in in the in the metropole so we we're really going to divide South Africa again into rural and urban but in a much more pronounced way is that your feeling I think so um l- let's look at the two ways in which it the this election influences the ANC in particular, right? It does in two ways. So internally in the ANC, the problem is now, wherever there's a coalition, you get less tenderpreneurs, right? The tenderpreneurs are the people who used to fuel the corruption inside the ANC with money. They would come and give people brown envelopes to vote this way and that. Mm -hmm. And so that sway is going away. Because in the last... um, in the last um, National Cong- Congress that they had, you saw there were no tender premiers from Pretoria. <laughs> there were no tender premiers from PE because and Cape Town. So right. those are the places they lost. So wherever they're not going to have a coalition going, that's less money for the ANC in the long run, right? For the corruption that they, that they take on. 
right? These hyperinflated prices for like shoe polish and other stupid things right. like that. So they can't abuse the the supply chain side of things. Now, when it comes to these small towns and rural areas, they've already drained them, right? These places are in so much debt. I mean, one of the municipalities in, in the Northwest got dissolved. Like literally, national and provincial government looked at the municipality and said, there's no use of this being a municipality. It's just a building, literally. Hmm. And so that's how bad these places are. And I mean, I've, I've already told you about like how places like um, um, Machabin Municipality, where I am in Valcom, Malutiapofung in Kwakwa, to repair the damage as far as debt is concerned is like a 10-year, 15-year project. And so no ANC cadre right now has the capabilities or even the knowledge base to think about things 15 years into the future. They're just trying to get money and food for them and their children now. Now, the big problem is the tenderpreneurs that come from here are going to be from maintenance tenders. Um, fix this light and um, scrape up this field. It's not going to be the hundreds of millions we've been seeing. And so what happens then is that it's going to put more pressure on the ANC. But then so externally, I think the ANC would have a, a small breath of fresh air, right? But then I think Cyril and his cohort are going to now put forward, push forward their agenda in a way that is where they can still steal money. Because I looked at the appointments for the NYDA, mm. which is the great bastion of being looted. <laughs> yes. So I, I took the example of two people there, right? Um, who one was, was in the hearings, Lukalium Guni. Um, he actually was interviewed live on TV. And the other one is a, a gentleman called Avela. He was the Sasko chairperson in the free state. He literally collapsed Sasko. I don't understand how you collapse a structure that has a steady stream of students going to it, yeah. right? But he did. He was on the CR17 bank statements. He was getting money from Sir Ramaphosa. He was chosen above Lukanyo. Lukanyo has um, three degrees. He's got a he's got a um, one in in, in develop, youth development. He's got a he's got an honors in in um, African studies, and he's got a master's. So this guy could have been able to steer the NYD yep, in the I'm sorry, those degrees are all in bullshit subjects that nobody cares about. Sorry. Yes, but in the NYDA, it would have been important to, to think about, like, if, if somebody even so, ponders how but, but, but to what get you're young saying, people into business sorry, in this country. What you're saying is that the, these are the people, these two people you've mentioned now, these are the kind of people that they're looking at as the future of the ANC, obviously. And No, so Lukanyo Mguni is no. independent of the ANC. Oh, okay. Right? He he's, the, he's the young black person who no, has he's... some kind of degrees. Avela is the guy from Sasko with no degrees. Okay. Right? He's the ANC member who basically stepped into the NYDA because he has a he's got a, 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 a membership card. And so if you are going to give me a choice, the guy who's got um, some kind of entrepreneurial study base mm. to, to ponder the problems of young black people and how we could get them into business, because we're no longer going to ask young black people to get employed anymore. It's almost impossible to do that. They must start creating their own businesses. But then you choose a guy who fits the mold of the people who have literally been sucking the blood out of the NYDA. This kind of person who would bring people from China to dance on the stage and give them a hundred million there. Jesus. Um, I, 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 I don't know. Pumi, what do you say to all of this? Because it sounds, I mean, now we're really, this is probably one of the most depressing and realistic conversations we've had about what's going on in, in parts of South Africa like Velcom. Because in the suburbs and in you know, the cities, even in the townships within the cities, it's not as bad as this anywhere. So I am overwhelmed this morning. I'm, I'm overwhelmed by this conversation because even though you know it and you see it, and I'm struggling to, to, to keep it together. And at the risk of losing my like my street cred on this show. <laughs> no, really, at the risk of losing my street cred on this show, I I feel my my heart pounding, and I and and I have I had to take my glasses off because they were like misting up because I've, I've 
I actually feel like crying. And there are so many things that that are being laid bare because what one of the the things about, about this conversation, Leto, is not just and even as a big believer of we we have to kind of stand up and fight. We have to be that um, that rear guard. And a couple of days ago, I saw a thing with um, <laughs> I saw a, a thing with uh, Jacob Zuma saying that people must revolt, and I think we're there, right? I think in places like Welcome, we're there. We and and people, unfortunately, the the thing about not showing up to vote is the fact that there are so many people who who don't absolutely take into consideration why they must show up and vote, why it is important to show up and vote. But, but for, the other side but of for, that coin, but for hold who, on, Darren, Sounds like you've got no on, one in welcome to vote for. That's, that's, that's what I was going to say, because the other side of that coin is the fact that there are people who, who sit in positions of being able to change these things. All the political parties are complicit. But not equally. All the political parties. No, it doesn't have to be equal. But they're all complicit. They're all complicit in in not showing up, in not showing up, even as an opposition, in not showing up as a viable option for the people, in not having the conversations, in not bringing people over to their side. They are complicit. Yeah, not even just bringing people to their side. I think we, we, we love how an opposition could corral people to their side, right? As an opposition, all you have to do is to inform us. The week before the election, when we had 10 days without water in this town, because we we owe everyone, everything, right? We found out that the municipal manager, one of the municipal managers passed away, right? Because we've had like six. Um, The CFO turned himself into a municipal manager and 31 million rand went missing in 48 (laughs) hours. Nobody bothered to come and tell the rest of the town this. No one, in opposition, no one bothered to come and say, we'd just like to call a community meeting and say, these guys from the ANC just literally took 31 million rand. It's gone. The other time, the payroll disappeared. Nobody came and told the town. So you see, you the, the opposition doesn't even do the minimum to say, Hold everyone responsible. Okay, but, Just gu- but hold guys, somebody but to guys, account. Yes, I know, but but that, sure, that's the minimum the opposition could do. But it sounds to me like they're going to be treated with disdain anyway in most of these areas. I mean, a lot of what we're saying here sounds almost like a rabbi talking to the 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 the, the Jewish people in 1939, saying. You know, it's going to be okay. The, these Nazis are, are bad people, but if we just if we just stick together, if we just hold our heads high, if, you know, um, you, you just just don't don't go and vote or, or or do go and vote. You know, that's what it sounds like to me. It'll all be fine. It's not going to be no, fine. no, no. And the ANC, the no. a, the ANC in these municipalities has more than the lion's share of the blame. We can't now go and say, oh well, it's the opposition's fault, whether they are the the, the the EFF or the DA or the Freedom Front Plus or whoever, those guys don't have... What do you think they're going to just pitch up? I mean, you even said, Lito, there were people running around with guns at at these rallies. What, what What's the benefit for a person who's standing in a ward where they're going to get like 2% of the vote anyway, standing up on a soapbox and saying, we must stand up against the ANC when there's a chance they could be shot, when there's a chance the community aren't even going to pitch up to vote for them? What's the point? So the week up... I wouldn't up do it. Would you, would you do it? I did it. I, I was giving out information about the municipality. And I got death threats, right? Um, I was giving out information that um, 52... Um, it's what? 60%. So 59.2% of our revenue in this municipality is um, fruitless and wasteless... Um, fruitless and, and wasteful, wasteful expenditure. expenditure. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I was showing people all of this information. And I got death threats. But I told them, I, people were following, around, following me around, taking pictures of me and posting like on burner accounts on Facebook and Twitter, um, saying all these strange things. And I said, if you're going to kill me, then come kill me. If you're going to kill me for truth, then fine. 
But if you're going to be a politician and then say, oh, I might not do this because the truth might get me killed, then get out of the re- get out of the game. Because the, the problem is, Gareth, even if the lion's share belongs to the ANC, they are a criminal organization in these small towns and in these smaller places. Right. That's what they are. They're yes. a mafia. Sure. But the problem is, how much do you have to suck at politics to lose to them? How much do you have to suck to lose to people who are literally walking into municipal offices, stealing money, and basically walking out twerking? Yes, but this is where again. So, so, we- so I have to I have to ask, like, do the people of Velcom get the government they deserve? Because there's a part of if we're going to blame opposition politi- politics, then we must also blame the people who are still voting ANC. Who are the people who are still? pitching up and voting ANC because those people are the majority of the people in Velcom. Otherwise, the ANC wouldn't have won those areas. They are not the majority of the people in Velcom. They are the majority of the people who showed up. But there's there's a bigger thing I think we need to... (laughs) But, Gareth, not not showing up to vote doesn't mean that you're not participating. So do you get get a free pass if you didn't pitch? Hold on. No one's getting a free pass because the other part of not showing up to vote does not necessarily mean that you're not participating. You're probably participating in an informal structure. So the people who burned out the libraries, the people who, who, who show that level of violence and disgruntlement, those people are also participating and voicing their disgruntlement. They're just not doing it in the formal structure. But I think that there's a, another very important thing that we cannot lose from this conversation or gloss over is the fact that Leto, you choose to stand up. The fact that you choose to say, yeah, come and get me. I think that is precisely, I, I mean, I wish we had more South Africans who felt like that. And I think that it, it, there will be more South Africans now because people are, are, are that hurtful. I see a lot yeah. more young people who feel that way and that that you know you become the new heroes we had we had a country where many people and there weren't as many as the people who existed in the country who did the exact same thing who stood up and said well no more you know yeah. so we have a thug it's government true. and i'm not going to allow this government to continue and if i'm the one who dies there will be more who will stand up for where i fall and I, and i think that's that's that for me makes me feel a little bit better because I take that away from this conversation, well, Leto, that, that there are people yeah. who are the heroes and we can all be that person. Because really, really, if, if you, they, if so what, you know? You, you have to fight. Like, even if you know you're going to lose, you have to fight, right? Um, so the problem is that we, we look at the fight now. We, we, we are in, a, in, a, in an analysis um, sort of society now. We analyze things before we get into them yes. and see our chances, right? Mm-hmm. But the problem is that the irrational space that is the political party system of South Africa is one where you are going to lose inevitably. But we have to fight because without that fight, we are now complicit, right? Because yeah. if, if we don't fight, it means we, we're just nodding along. So um, I remember like two weeks ago, so after, yes, after the ANC won, there are these people who, um, so the biggest way I've learned on how to swindle money from the, from the, um, from the government is to host, um, events like these big party events and call celebrities from Johannesburg. And so what you do is they would double invoice. So let's say the show is going to cost a million rand. They double invoice and it becomes two million rand, right? And so that's how the politicians get their kickbacks. So, Right after the ANC won, one of the big people who do that here put out a poster. That night, says, no, no, on the 18th of December, we're hosting an event, and we're going to tell you the details later. Hmm. The equitable share, the $600 million we get to try and help us out with our problems, would actually get into the municipal bank account on the 3rd of December. So they, they literally have counted 15 days after we get whatever money, whatever little money is coming from the from the um, national government. They're already sharing that up. I had to put that out there. Yes, his people but, but did this, come around my house and camp out in a car, okay, so, but so, I don't care. Leto, I, I agree with Pumi. Like, thank God you're doing what you're doing here. Um, and it's a hard and it's un, unrewarding in every way because you're just trying to, like, 
you're just trying to do what you can do and you're not going to solve all the problems on your own. It's one of the reasons we love having you on the show because you also have such insights for us. But, you know, this is also what the country will look like if we all depend on only government. And I think what's really important here is to look at the whole society, the businesses, the churches, the the heavy industry, whatever's left of it in Velcom, um, society, whatever that means in Velcom, whether it's disintegrated and fractured or it isn't, and, and look at this and say, well, if you rely only on the government and the government is the deciding factor between who gets, who doesn't, what happens, what doesn't, where money goes, where it doesn't, then this is what you get. This is what happens when you look at the state as being the sole and and complete responsibility vehicle for everything. And it is an utter disaster. This has happened all over the world where you allow the state to run everything. And I think if anybody can learn any lessons from this, it must be that. I, I just think, you know, if we can move on, because as much as this is this is fascinating, I think for many people it's also very, very depressing. I want to look look quickly at the at the other depressing story that we've got at the moment, this this electricity <laughs> one. And you know, Pumi brought up earlier that this Andre Dereta doesn't necessarily have the most stellar record in businesses that he was involved in before. But that we all agreed before you came on, Leto, that the the shareholder is the problem here as well. Again, the state. Why is it that we still have, despite so many examples, and examples that people are living in, like you are right now, of the state being incapable of, of delivering the, on the promises that they put out at election time? Why do we have so many people who still believe that the best way to make an equitable society is to let the politicians help us get there? And they can't. There are some problems that the politicians will never be able to solve, right? We know that they can't solve the environmental crisis. Try as they may. They've tried in countries where everything works. They can't fix that. Um, we know that they can't fix inequality. That's something that a government can't do. We know that they can't fix racism. That's something that a government can't do. The society itself has to do these things. So which problems can they solve? Is it potholes? Is it electricity supply? Because all of these things to me really are uh, like, what else is government for? In a place like where you're living, it's anarchic already. And you guys are used to not having any service delivery at all. That's what that's the day-to-day -day reality for you. So what use is government? Let's just look at this. If we were aliens landing on the planet, what do we need these politicians for? What is their purpose in society? Nothing. The people who've been responsible for ESCOM, let's let's look at ESCOM, yeah. right? In government, none of them have been engineers, right? In yeah. national government. Right. ESCOM is an engineering problem. Mm -hmm. More than it is a financial problem, it's an engineering problem. The engineering around ESCOM is wrong because we're using engineering from apartheid to fix the post-apartheid problems. So the engineering is wrong. So where are the engineers? So the problem is... The politicians of this country have the biggest soapbox. They have the biggest, they have the only soapbox. Because you've never heard of any engineer coming forward outside of the ones who are politically connected. You don't hear anyone outside of Marcela Coco talking, right? And so then what you think about, you're like, wait, is Marcela Coco the only guy who knows electricity in this country? And so where are our engineers? Where are these people? Right? Where are the engineering students? Why don't you take them there and say, well, since you are in the in the phase of learning about these things, these are the problems of ESCOM. How would you creatively fix them? Because those are the people who are hungry for solutions. They think yeah, solutions but, but are, are easy to come by. We've so lost so many of these people, not only from municipalities like yours, but then a lot of them come to to places <laughs> like Johannesburg, and then they decide, no, no, this is also a waste of my time. I'm going to go to Europe. Canada, China, uh, India. I'm going to go somewhere else where my where my skills will be a appreciated. Because why should they? Like in Velcom, why should any engineer settle in Velcom? There's no nice neighborhood for him to live in. There's no reason for him to send his kids to school there. There's no reason for him to uh, want to go to the Velcom hospitals. So ultimately, this is a problem that we have to look at nationally. It's not just a Velcom problem. And those skilled people, Leto, are not whether they're black or white or rich or poor at this stage, they're looking at other options. That's something we've got to be very realistic about. 
Yes, I, I, and I do agree, right? But even if you're looking for greener pastures, Gary, right? Even if you're an engineer in the US, if our engineer who's left to go to the US, why don't we give them a voice? Why don't we give them a platform to say, yeah, this is the bullshit I saw, right? Mm. This is what happens, this is what's wrong, and that's what's wrong. Because the problem right now is it's that- kind of what we do on we this are show, going, you know. Yes, we are going, so in South Africa, what we're doing with the ESCOM problem is that we are going back and forth between um, the braking equipment and the definition of the problem. We come and we discuss the breakage, and then we go back and we try to redefine. We discuss the breakage and we redefine. Because the people who are defining the problem for us aren't engineers. And so you need an engineer-defined um, solution. So the definition then goes to say, now if an engineer defines everything for us, without an agenda like Marcela Coco does, because he's trying to get hired into a CEO position again, the engineer would then tell us, this is what breaks in these plants, this is what you need, and this is how you do it, right? And once it breaks, we can't go back to the definition. We'll then go, you were told this, right? Because that's what happened. The problem started with Tabon Beki being told about this, and he didn't consider it. Yeah. He was told that this grid is not going to take what you want it to take. If you're going to build this many RDP houses, you're going to overload this grid. Even though, because... So the, there was a huge misunderstanding, but also a huge ignorance because these people aren't engineers. They don't understand electricity, right? They don't understand electricity surplus. When Tawambeki was told that we were, we were producing a surplus, he said, oh, no, let's, let's sell it off to Zimbabwe and Zambia. Mm. But he didn't get what the surplus means. The surplus means that when we, when we have to um, service our power stations, then we have something to lean on. Yeah. Now we don't have any surplus. So the big problem, and now they're talking about renewables as if they're a solution. The renewables aren't going to give us a surplus that we need. So we need a basis that will give us a surplus and then include all this other fancy stuff with the winds and the suns and the whatevers. But at the end of the day is that South Africa lacks in every other sector. Our business people, Gareth, are all quiet. I know no business people. Well, and none of them can tell us, like, so business people, as it pertains to unemployment, for instance, they could tell us exactly what the problems are and how to move forward. What do they plan to do about it? What do they do? They take that person from the Black Business Council or whatever he is, and he goes and he complains on ENCA for two hours. Yeah. He doesn't give us a solution. Yeah, exactly. And so we need the people who can get a soapbox to be given the proper platforms to connect the people to their but, soapbox. But also, I mean, like um, Hein says here, he's an engineer. He says, engineers don't speak, we do. They're not interested in speaking on a platform. That's not their thing. Stuart says, I'm an engineer. We have and do speak out and prepare plans, etc. But that voice is squashed by the money or the political people time and again. And there are businesses who are trying to get involved in, in private power production. And frankly, I mean, someone like me, I, I would pay an extra 10% in electricity for the next two years if it meant I'd have consistent electricity supply. And I would pay that to a private company, not to government, because I know they won't deliver on that promise. But the problem is that they're not allowed to, even with Gwede's new rules about private power producers. Um, they're, they're not allowed to produce in excess of a certain amount. Now, there are probably companies all over the world, including the Russians with their nuclear power, who want to come in here and solve this problem because they know there's lots of money to be made. But they're not allowed to because the politicians have made laws that make it impossible for them to do business. Um, that's true, uh, but but also remember that's part of that apartheid infrastructure, right? Even politically, they're just carrying it on. They're not giving us anything well, new. Well, that's because just that that's because the ANC and the former government, the old regime, both thought that the government should be the main decider of everything, which is precisely how you end up with a Velcom, <laughs> right, Pums? Exactly. Right. <laughs> they just replaced. The system they just replaced right. the system with the people they, they, nothing's changed nothing's changed but let i'm gonna inbox you i'm coming to welcome i need to okay. come see you all right no no we can do that yeah i mean <laughs> to see you there are lots and lots of comments here, people who are obviously extraordinarily upset and shocked by what you're saying here, Leto. I mean, to me, the most scary thing about your whole story is that these, these 
poor young girls are being prostituted. Oh. I mean, this is a social problem. So now we can blame the politicians for a lot, and maybe the politicians are, as you say, the people who are who are going and paying for these these young girls to prostitute themselves. But in many cases, it's also a social issue. And I'm wondering about where we personally take responsible for the way we raise our children, even if we have no resources, where we personally take control of our own smaller communities, our own households, for heaven's sake. You know, where are... That's my question about the, the, the structures of authority. Yes. Right? Because where are the churches? that is about... That is about... Oh. It, it's about a, a lot of systemic issues. Right. We, we also have a, a very big. So think about who are the, the parents and the grandparents, today's parents and grandparents and the time in which a lot of all of those people grew up. You know, we see lots in, in the work that we do. We see lots of communities where the elders in that community are people who grew up during the AIDS pandemic. Mm. So they lost a lot of the older people who taught you mm. how to be, who gave you the, you know, the, 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 the moral grounding and fortitude, or even just the societal mm. norms and values that we had. So we have a lot of people who grew up in child-headed households who were never taught how to, how to be, how mm. to live yeah. and thrive within a society with particular sets of norms and expectations. Yeah. And those are the people who are today's elders. Those are the people who are the, the grandmother, who are the mother, who is destitute and kind of thinking, how am I gonna how am I gonna live through the next three days? You know? Yeah. How am I where where am I gonna find the yeah. bread and the and the butter and the, the milk and the sugar, you know? Because that's how that's how the breakdown happens, right? The people who are mothers aren't really mothers, right? I don't think any mother who has taught motherhood and the love and the kindness that comes with the teachings would have the bravery to tell their daughter, go and sell your body. Because that's what these women do. Like I heard a woman say this. and But also for the life of me, even though I'm trying to be like, you know, this person who stays, I couldn't. I didn't know how to act in that moment. I didn't know mm. how to go and help this little girl whose mother is saying, either come here with a child or go. So there's an industrial area called Menis and says, go to Menis, the truck drivers stop there and go and sell yourself. And so I didn't know how to comfort this little girl. Jesus. I also didn't know how to approach it as not a creep who might want to, to buy. It, mm. it was so... Yeah, it was cringeworthy because she she didn't even do it indoors, like in the house or no no no. She did it out where people could hear her, and so that's I think that's the the hardest part societally that we're breaking apart, but also we don't even know how to remedy the situation. Because if I go to that house and I tell that little girl, you don't have to do this. You can go to a place of safety. If I go to the mother, the mother is going to tell me, "Are going to give me money?" Because that child is going to bring me money with that prostitution. If she brings a child home, it's, it's an extra grant. It's an extra Sasa grant. So what are you, what are you going to give me now with your, with your pontification and, and your, your status as political analyst and lecturer? What are you going to do? Because those people have an immediate problem of food. Those people have an immediate problem of clothing. And so the breakdown is allowed to happen or is, is incentivized, yes. But then also, my, my biggest problem is the man. Is the man who, who probably has a daughter that age who, who thinks taking out 50 rand and giving it to their child and having sex with them is something proper. That is something yeah. that, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it, it, it breaks me apart because it's, it's literally child prostitution. It, it's, it's, it's which, should, which should be abominable and abhorrent to any human being. It should be. I mean, we know even in prison, like people who, who, who've abused children get the harshest treatment from the other prisoners. You know, bad people know that those are the worst among them. But it seems in some societies it's got it's become so devolved. Ah, Look, I, I, I don't know what the solution is. And I'm, I'm kind of 
in the same position Pumi's in right now, where I'm just a little bit heartbroken about all of this this morning. Um, do we have any any rays of light and optimism that have come out of at least the political process of the last two weeks? I mean, we see, you know, God bless him, old Herman Mashaba made a good showing. He says he refuses to have a coalition with the ANC. He might not even want to have coalitions with the DA, so I don't know what his use is then. But maybe there are other things. But no, really, what's your, what use are you if you're not going to be a coalition partner to the, to the, the two biggest parties? What use are you? What, are you going to cobble together uh, 700 other parties and get, get 20% and then what, sit in council and what, just fall asleep? I mean, like, what's your po- what are you there for? I told you this. I told you this about Herman. I told you this about Musi. They come from such um such tight ass structures, right? This, this stick in the mud structures. Yeah. They can't survive anywhere else, so they don't understand the world outside. They are trying to build the same sort of stick in the mud um um environments they come from in new places, right? So I, I don't know what positives they are. I mean. Right now, the only positives, I'll always give you this. There is no God in the machine. No one is coming to save you. The only light, the one that you're looking for, is you. If if you don't become that light, we'll stay this upset every single day. I wake up every day with that, that I am the light, not anyone else. No one's coming to save us. Dude, that is the biggest thing that has come out of... This show for me is we have got we we have got leaders we and we have many leaders and the best thing about that is we don't need six million leaders we don't need six million leaders we just we just need enough with the willpower and we've got to bring bring us all together and fight. True. Oh, the other positive light, Gareth, mm. is that today, yesterday is a year since me and you started doing anything together. The first time I went on any of your shows was last year on the 10th of November. That's, a, that's worth celebrating. I'm pleased to have you back a year later. So, Leto, yeah. when you see me in your DM, don't think I'm like... Creepy. <laughs> You're sliding. Yeah. It's just... Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, no, I would love I'm, to. I am. I'm going to send you my. I'm going to send you a DM. Send send me your number. I want to come to Velcro. I want to know how no that problem. goes. No problem. Yeah. I'd love to hear yeah. about that. Um, we'll take pictures. We'll take videos for Gareth, and I'll show you around the place. You know, I have and... been. I have been to Velcro. No, we do I've work. Been to Velcom, we do work. I've been to Velcro twice. Uh, Leto, and, and, and both times, what struck me is that the place is full of traffic circles and churches, and that. People there like to fight, but now I reckon they're probably fighting. No, 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 no. (laughs) People don't like to fight, Gareth. Tell them you are taking someone's girl. Tell them. No, I was not. That's why they were fighting you. That's why they were fighting you. Dude, people in civilized towns like uh, the rest of South Africa, they they don't go out to have fights with each other. It happens in Velcro. Anyway, listen. I I remember the incident, Pumi. Don't let Gareth Incident. Incident. Everyone in. Everyone in town heard about. He was at Sportsman's. It's closed now. He was at Sportsman's. Yeah, he was at Sportsman's. Was taking somebody's girl, and you know these farm boys with the short pants. Yes, sir. They wanted to eat the girl alive. Crazy. I didn't. I didn't get it. Let me be clear. I didn't. I didn't get into any fights. But I saw other people beating each other up pretty much from the moment I walked in. So there we go. And there's my load shedding just in time, 8 o'clock. Yay. All right, everybody. So, Leto, 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 well done. Amazing for yeah, standing up. Absolutely. For being the fighter and, and for sharing the story. There were lots of comments from, people, from other people in small towns who have similar experiences. But we can, we can, we can do this. We can, yeah. I'm coming to Valgama. We've got, we've got work. That well, we can do with you. Um, Lieto, thank you very much for being on the show. Also, um, you know, let's let's keep this conversation going. And as Pumi says, she'll come and visit herself. And they do work in these kinds of uh, environments. And she's got a, an eagle eye for things. So maybe Pumi can also bring some of the the the, the citizen uh, activism that you that you already participate in 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 a you know in a, with a bit of Joburg uh, power. 
Who knows? We might be able to help each other. And by the way, I don't know um, if it's Jobek power. I don't know if it's Jobek power. I, I, don't, know. Know. I, don't, know. I don't know if it's Jobek power. Um, also today is uh, Armistice Day. So it's the day that we uh, look back on. It's almost, what, it's more than 100 years now. It's 105, 106 years ago that uh, millions and millions of people in, in, in Europe and the world went to war over essentially the destruction of empires. And uh, just one other day when so many millions of people probably did not need to die. Uh, but we we celebrate nonetheless the 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 fact that they died for reasons that at that stage seemed to be the best reasons for people to go to war, and it's just a sad state of affairs that humanity in 105 years very seldom looks back on history and learns anything. And let's spend two minutes today doing that. At very least, we have our own wars that we need to look back on in this country and history that we should read. So we don't end up in the same situation. But thanks, everybody. We will see you tomorrow at 6 a.m. bright and early. That is the burning platform for today.